Welcome back, everyone, to Your Life, God's Word, where we take the principles found in Scripture and we apply them to our everyday lives, those areas that are most important, faith, family, and community. All right, we're back yet again with another episode in the book of Proverbs. We are just one chapter away from finishing this bad boy out. I hope you've been enjoying this series. I hope that these... um, these last uh, several episodes have been helping you to grow in God's Word, to understand what it means to be wise in God. And um, if that's the case, then definitely help us out. Subscribe, share this with someone. That, that, that really is the big thing. I, yeah, we like subscribers, but I really like helping people and reach people with the Word of God, with the Gospel, with Scripture, with truth. And uh, I think it's, it's just awesome to see when people um, have the Word of God speak to them and they share that with other people that they know this will benefit. So uh, even if you don't subscribe, share this with someone that you think will benefit, someone that you think uh, can uh, better their life through the, the truth that comes from the Word of God. So we're going to jump into Proverbs chapter 30 here. And uh, keep on, keep on chucking, keep on moving through. So, Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 1 says, The words of Agur, son of Jacob, the oracle. The man declares, I am weary, O God, I am weary, O God, and worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name? Surely you know. So that's the first four verses there. And it's interesting to see someone putting the context of how small they are when they step back and they really look at the the grand scheme of things. So many people consider themselves to be really something. (laughs) And And we can get to a point uh, financially, maybe success in life. Maybe we've got a lot of knowledge, wisdom. Maybe people are coming to us for advice and, and we we're kind of known to be someone that's wise. We can, we can start to let that go to our head. And sometimes we aren't any of those things. And still, things can go to our head, and we start really thinking um, ourselves to be something. But we really need to, uh, I think, take the attitude of the psalmist, where he said, when I consider the heavens, um, you know, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars, you know, what is man? What is man? Any any individual man, and certainly um, just me personally. And I think when, when we look at this and we see the struggle of people trying to depend on themselves versus depend on God, it it really boils down to, you know, I'm weary and I'm worn out. <laughs> There's a lot of people that are just weary with life, weary with the struggle, weary with the battle. A lot of people give up, give in. Um, a lot of people give in to sin. A lot of people just throw in the towel. But we need to learn how to be strong in God uh, have those times where we might be worn out. We might need some um, uh, some repose, some rest. 
this is one reason why I think it's important to be a uh, a part of a very a strong, vibrant, biblical, kingdom-minded, spirit-led uh, body of Christ, because there are times where hopefully you're serving, you're helping, you're contributing, you're the one strengthening and encouraging, and then there's going to be times where you are just flat out weary and worn out, and you need someone to help carry you and be there uh, for you and with you, and that's that's normal. You know that is normal. Uh, you know he says, "Surely I'm you know too stupid to be a man. <laughs> I have not the understanding of a man. Uh, I haven't learned wisdom. I don't have knowledge of the Holy One." Uh, we we need to realize in all our learning and all our, our achieving, all our striving. At the end of the day, we are a speck of dust. And if we get that perspective. Um, I think we we really can come out we can really come out on top. Um, it's not false humility, but it is humility. It's not you know wimpiness, weakness, but it is meekness. You, we need to have an element of that. We need to understand that one of the fruit of the spirit is uh, meekness or humility. And then he said, I love how he says, "Who's ascended to heaven and come down? Who's gathered the wind in his fist? Right? Who's establishing the earth? What's his name? What's his son's name?" Obviously, this is a great setup for the New Testament, where we know that Jesus Christ certainly has come down. Right? He he gave gifts: the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and uh, his name is Jesus. And I think that's a great kind of illusion there into. Uh, into the coming King of Kings, and of course he says, "Surely you know." And yeah, Yahweh absolutely uh, had from from the very beginning. Uh, I don't think the cross or Jesus or any of that was like Plan B. He had to shift and pivot and move and figure out what he was going to do. I think uh, that was all his plan from the beginning. In his foreknowledge, he knew exactly what what man was going to do. And how it was going to play out before he ever created man, and so that that plan was in place uh, from the very beginning. Verse five: Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. I, I love you know. <clears throat> that's interesting. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. A lot of people lay claim to the promises of the Bible. A lot of people will. You know, in times of trouble or whatever, they'll just pick out a verse and just you know, throw it out there, quote it, slap it on a on a uh, meme or you know whatever. But there's an element of we have to take refuge in God. We we don't just do our thing and then throw a scripture verse out there and then God's just obligated to honor that that verse because we you know took it out of context or whatnot. Uh, I make mention a lot of times of the episode we did on the if-then statements of Scripture. I think you should go check that out. The uh, There's lots of those. If-then, if-then, if-then. God does require uh, action, obedience on our part. This is throughout the Scriptures. And, you know, I, I, I do think that he is a just a natural shield. You know, Job is a, is a good example of this, a man that was godly, righteous, God had built this hedge, there was a hedge around him. And I think that God will be proactive at times, keeping people, helping people that are taking refuge in him. Doesn't mean they're perfect, doesn't mean they're without any kind, any trace of, 
you know, humanity, they're just absolute perfect beings or anything like that, but they are people who lean in the direction of God. They are those who are following after him, being led by the Spirit uh, through imperfect vessels and imperfect um, uh, bodies, minds, hearts, all that. But the, the ultimate uh, goal and purpose and focus is, is God and his kingdom. You take David as an example. Uh, David messed up royally, I mean, big time, a couple of times in his life. Uh, but look at the overall picture. And then, of course, you get to Scripture and, you know, Jesus, son of David. So I think we need to be people who take refuge in God and realize um, that he is a shield for those who do so. Verse 6 says, don't add to his words. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Uh, in my personal journey, walk with Christ, I've seen a lot of people do this. Um, ministries, ministers, preachers, pastors, you know, whatever they might be. Mm, adding to the Word of God is no bueno. That is a surefire way to get one's self in trouble and probably get a whole lot of other people in trouble too that might be listening, following, uh, heeding what you might say. We need to just let the Word of God be the Word of God. If it doesn't go that far, we need to just let the Word be the Word. You know, if, if God didn't quite say it like that, He wasn't uh, he, he, he wasn't as maybe forceful as we, want, we would like. We really would prefer that God have said this, so that it's a clear line, you know, black and white, easy to see, easy to handle. Why all this gray? Why these areas where people... Uh, can just, you know, sort of do their own thing, make their own choice in certain areas. But that's the way God works. God works in a way that allows for human uh, independence, human choice. Yeah, they can freely choose him or freely not choose him. But I think a lot of times what happens is people can see the danger in certain areas. They can see the danger in certain issues or whatever, and so they will go further than the kingdom of God and add to them. And the on the other side of that, people will add to the word of God uh, really by taking away some of the judgments, taking away some of the wrath of God, taking away all that stuff. You know, you, you add this extra layer of love and mercy and, well, I should put these in air quotes, love and mercy and grace that aren't really there. It turns into this hyper grace that's not biblical. It turns into you know, a uh, watered-down, you know, kind of wet noodle backbone Jesus, and really a God that is super permissive and universal and just, you know, whatever, you know, just pay some lip service to me and, and you're good to go. I don't think that's true either. We just need to let the Word be the Word, let God be God. Well, what does the what does Psalm say? Let God be true and every man a, a liar. I, I think that's really where we need to leave it. Uh, verse 7 says, Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or, lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. And you see this in people, especially later in life, when you can see them writing and being moved on by the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures, is this idea of contentment. Don't let me be so... Uh, quote-unquote blessed that I turn around and deny God 
And this happens a lot. I've seen far more people lose out with God when things were going well, when you know they, they were they were doing well, they were blessed, they overcame some obstacles, and now they've got money in the bank and things seem to be going good, seem to be, you know, going their way, and then all of a sudden they don't really need God anymore. <laughs> you know, and they really were just using God as a crutch. And when you know, what's a crutch? A crutch is a temporary solution until you were able to walk normally on your own. And then you throw the crutch away. I mean, nobody gets well. Oh, I, I shouldn't say nobody. I'm, there may be some people that do this. But for the most part, you don't get well and then keep the crutch because you've just loved the crutch. The crutch is a temporary solution. God is not. The Bible is not. Church is not. And when people do that, when people use God like that, use the church like that, they ultimately pay a very hefty price because they will uh, many times lose out uh Yes, in a salvation sense, but also many times they will they will waste decades of their life and then come back around and realize, wow, that was a mistake. And again, you don't you don't get the time back. So I think it's important for us to be content. I think it's important for us to uh, want to strive, want to strive, want to want to um, uh, ambition is the word I'm looking for. Uh, want to be ambitious, right? The Bible, I don't think, is against ambition. It's against that selfish ambition, that that strife, that where it's all about us. But there's nothing wrong with just, you know, you're an ambitious person. You want to move up the ranks at work or, you know, you want to ha- you know, have, have more uh, free time. And so you want to be independently wealthy so that you can have a little more time back in your week. Uh, and then what are you going to use that time for? Is it just about you and luxury and, you know, buying more toys and that kind of thing? Or is it, I have more time to do the things in life that really matter, focusing on the kingdom of God, focusing on maybe my family. But, you know, again, I think there are things, uh, that we can do that, uh, would appear to be, and folks would look at it as, you know, they're an ambitious person. Um, and it's not out of like an ill content. It's you are content, but you want to push yourself and and strive for more, but you're not going to get to the point where he's warning about. Uh, and then you turn from the Lord and say, well, who's God? I don't need him anymore. Um, so let's go down to verse 10. Do not slander a servant to his master, lest he curse you and you be held guilty. Yeah, you know, be be careful with slander altogether because, right, gossip is a sin. We need to be careful as people of God how we talk, what we say, but certainly who we say it to. Um, we need to be wise and walk in wisdom with these kinds of things. Verse 11, there are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. There are those who are clean in their own eyes but are not washed of their filth. There are those, how lofty are their eyes, how high their eyelids lift There are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives, to devour the poor from off the earth, the needy from among mankind. We've talked about every single one of these things at length, and so I will just say amen and amen to each of those. Go and check those episodes out. Read this yourself. Go study it out a little bit more. But uh, yeah, amen and amen. Verse 15, the leech has two daughters, give and give. (laughs) I guess they're twins. Um, three things are never satisfied. Four never say enough. Sheol, the barren womb, 
the land never satisfied with water, and the fire that never says enough. Um, we need to realize there is a, a, a general human trait that we can tend to never be content. And I've talked, I already talked about contentment uh, a couple minutes ago, but we need to be people who are content. Um, godliness with contentment is great gain, is what Paul said. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, you know what? Working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, I'd like a raise. I'd like that manager position. I'd like to, you know, build this side hustle into my main hustle so that I don't have to hustle as much. Um, you know, whatever, whatever those types of things lead to, that can, that can be good. But the problem is when we just be, we just start to develop a general, you know, discontentment. We're just generally never satisfied. We need to be careful with that. We need to be very careful. Uh, I think one thing we can sort of not be satisfied with, and it's okay, is how close we can be to God, our relationship, uh, even ministry, we have to be careful. Um, but just in relationship to God, our closeness with Him and knowing Him, you know, um, we can continue to just pursue Him and love Him. But when it comes to stuff, we need to learn how to be content. And it can be challenging sometimes for people that are ambitious, people that do want to, you know, strive and challenge themselves and do more. And all these can be very good positive traits. I'm not trying to discourage that. I'm not trying to say that's, um, we should all just be sitting back with our feet up, you know, covering up our laziness by saying it's just contentment. But at the same time, we need that balance. Uh, verse 17, the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Ouch. Um, yeah, God's pretty serious about this. Honor your father and mother, reiterated in the New Testament. We need to be careful that we are not those who scorn uh, our father and mother. Verse 18, three things are too wonderful for me, for I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man with a virgin. This is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. So, you know, he's he's curious here. He says, oh, look at that serpent on the rock. How did it get there? Wow, how's the eagle, you know, kind of, how is this working? How is this happening? Um, how is it that people can do some of the most vicious and evil and vile things and then be like, what? What? What did I do? We live in a society that calls good evil, literally, I mean, literally calls good evil and calls evil good literally uh, extols the quote-unquote virtue of things that are absolute abominations to God um, how how is this possible we as human beings have an amazing ability and propensity toward sin and toward evil and we need to recognize this and realize this and not be caught off guard and not be like, oh, well, what? how did that happen? We shouldn't be dupes. I don't think Christians are supposed to be dupes. The Bible is very clear that we should be wise as serpents. Uh, we, 
We should not be, you know, these folks that just buy into things hook, line, and sinker. We get, you know, caught up in chants and rallies and <clears throat> empty slogans. We need to be people who are firmly rooted and grounded in the Word of God. Jesus did say to love God with all our mind. We need to be people that are thoughtful, pensive, mindful. And we need to realize that, honestly, human nature has this ability, right? The, the adulteress eats, wipes her mouth, and says, I haven't done anything wrong. You committed adultery. You've ruined a family. What do you mean you've done nothing wrong? We, how, how is this, right? He doesn't understand. Serpent on the rock, eagle in the sky, ship on the seas, man with a virgin. But, no, we need to recognize that this is a state in which human beings are, like, uniquely able to get into, <laughs> right? And um, so we, we should understand, I think he's probably just being, uh, probably just being rhetorical there. That would be my guess. I mean, clearly, right, he's, working in, he's writing in the Book of Wisdom. I don't think he's clueless as to human nature and how this happens. But again, a rhetorical device to help us understand and see this is the way of an adulteress. Um, verse 21, under three things, the earth trembles. Under four, it cannot bear up. A slave when he becomes a king, a fool when he is filled with food, an unloved woman when she gets a husband, and a maidservant when she displaces her mistress. There are some things that we need to be very careful of. Um, there are some, I'll say, positional things, uh, some just kind of way of the world, where we can be getting ourselves into trouble uh, if, if things go a certain way. When certain kinds of people get into power, that is not a good thing. We shouldn't be surprised when uh, things go awry, when certain kinds of people get into power, right? Now, it doesn't go into, you know, dive into this um, deeply, but just from the context here, right, a slave when he becomes king doesn't seem like he's meaning like Joseph, <laughs> right? When God elevates him. Sounds more like a slave becomes king maybe through nefarious means, maybe through uh, some kind of rebellion or uprising. In other words, they don't have the character, they don't have the wisdom, the ability to be in that position, really, and do it well and effectively, but they are thrust into this position. Um, an unloved woman, when she gets a husband, well, oh, that's just, that's a great thing, right? When, when, a, when a man falls in love and loves her and for who she is, I don't think he's getting at that. He's he's talking about, right, maybe a contentious woman, maybe a woman who's rightfully unloved and somehow, right, works her way into a marriage with somebody. Again, not a good thing. Not a good thing. Uh, again, why do, I, why do I say that? Because of the other two things. A fool when he's filled with food and a maidservant when she displaces her mistress. You know, these have that connotation of, eh, there's something nefarious going on. Shouldn't have happened this way. And so that's that's kind of my read, my take on this, and you can certainly disagree. But, um, you know, we need to be careful 
there sometimes there's just a, a timing element behind things. Sometimes there's a growth and development element behind things. When people today, right, uh, it's amazing to me. You know, people, you, you can't even be a good employee, a faithful good employee for 12 months, but you want to somehow run the company. Um, you know, it's, it's unbelievable to watch when people, men, women, I mean, they'll come into, say, the church. They don't really know much, or maybe they know. They think they know a lot, uh, but they haven't shown any kind of faithfulness. They haven't shown any kind of, you know, stick to itness. They have no wisdom. They have, you know, haven't worked on that character. They they don't have a track record. Uh, they can point to. They haven't been good stewards, but somehow maybe they've got a gift in something. You know, maybe they're a great speaker they've got a great memory and they can memorize a lot of stuff or maybe they're a fantastic uh, people person or a great musician or there's just lots of different things they've got a knack for um for working with kids they've got a i'm trying to think of just all kinds of scenarios to cover i mean anything and all of a sudden they feel like because of this thing or because of this I should be elevated. I should. This person over here has been here. They've got a 20-year track record of faithfulness before God and with the people in this church, and um, I should be right there with them. I should be right there beside them. What do they have that I don't have? How about five years of faithfulness? <laughs> right? Oh, all the character, right, that comes with that. They've they've learned. They've gone through the school of hard knocks. They you know they, they they've got some some notches in their belt of victories they've won and overcome. Things have tried to knock them down, and they've maybe fallen, maybe slipped. Maybe they did fall, but they, they were able to get back up and learn from that. You don't see all that, right? And so, again, we need to be careful that we're not too hasty um, for ourselves and toward other people. We need to allow that growth and development. Sometimes, um, sometimes time or tenure is a waste of time. It's useless. It doesn't mean anything. Other times, it is so profound you can't even really put words to it. Just the the overall. And when I was twenty, I thought you know somebody that was thirty or forty was just older. You know. Now I realize, no, there's a whole lot there that that person has experienced and done in situations where they've been there, done that, and you've never, at 15, at 20, at 25, at 30, you've never even been through that. you never even experienced that. You don't even know what it's like. There's a lot to be said there, right? Working on that character, working on our ability to overcome and think through things and use wisdom. And so, again, I think this is what he is getting at in these verses. Uh, verse 24, four things on earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a people not mighty, yet they make their homes in the cliffs. The locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank. The lizard you can take in your hands, yet it is in king's palaces. Zechariah 4.10 says not to despise uh, you know, the day of small beginnings or these or small beginnings. Um, we need to, you know, again, we're, we live in a culture that is so big on hype, so big on the 
the right thumbnail and catchy title on a YouTube video and get people to watch and click and follow. But that person, sometimes, they don't have a lick of experience. They don't have any idea what they're talking about. Um, you watch some of these channels, and there are times where people really, they have very little knowledge. They have very little substance. They just, you know, they hit the algorithm correctly. They, they worked the YouTube algorithm. Now, that's good. I mean, there's something to be said about cracking that or being able to manipulate that manipulate that effectively. But if you can manipulate the uh, YouTube algorithm effectively and put yourself out there as some kind of guru in marriage counseling, but you've never actually developed that, you don't really know what you're talking about, you could do a lot of damage. And then you probably start buying your, you know, your own press, believing into it. You believe your own press and you start to think, hey, I actually do know a lot of stuff. And that you can actually damage yourself as well. And so there is an element of don't despise small, humble beginnings. Let it grow. Let it flourish. Let life, let character build. Let a foundation be built underneath you before you start trying to throw up the walls and move the furniture in. Uh, may not be as, as um, you know, just catchy. It may not be as much of a zinger. It may not be as meme-full, right? Uh, watching concrete dry and a foundation be poured. You know, the uh, the flooring and the, the cabinets and the furniture and the decor and the lighting and all that. That's all much, you know, much more exciting. Uh, obviously using the building analogy, right? <laughs> but... But the foundation needs to be there. And most of the time, that's just a boring, kind of small, humble thing that starts out. But that's where we need to be. And he uses these examples of, you know, ants, right? A lizard, locusts. But there's some great truth to be learned there. We need to allow the process to happen sometimes of growth and development, especially if God is trying to do something, God really wants to use someone in a great, powerful, mighty way. Look at Abraham. Look how long it took. Look at Moses. Look how long it took. Look at David. Look how long it took between the first time he was anointed, of course, he was anointed, you know, a couple of subsequent times and many years before he was actually the undisputed king over all Israel. But Look at what God was doing with them. Look at what God was building, constructing. We need to, and this is to myself as well, because I'm one of those types of people that I you know, I want it done. I wanted it done four days ago. Let's go. Um, you know, it's difficult for me to, you know, stop and savor the moment and, you know, consider battles won and, and reflect. And I, I just... I'm always like forward thinking, go, 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 like what's next? You know, what, what metrics do we still need to hit? No, I'm, I'm that kind of person. And so I'm speaking to myself as much as anyone else, but uh, we need to be able to realize the day of small beginnings often leads to a uh, very great victory, success in God, but we need to allow the process to happen. So, there it is. Verse 29. 
Three things are stately in their tread, four are stately in their stride. The lion, which is mightiest among beasts and does not turn back before any. The strutting rooster, the he-goat, and the king whose army is with him. Verse 32 says, if you have been foolish, exalting yourself, or if you've been devising evil, put your hand on your mouth. For pressing milk produces curds, pressing the nose produces blood, and pressing anger produces strife. I think that kind of ties into the 29 through 31. These things are stately, right? Then they're striding out there, like, you know, if you can picture a rooster puffing its its chest out and <laughs> bobbing its head like, hey, I'm the man around here. Um, we need to be very careful. Um, you know, we're a king. We've got the army with us. We're a lion. That's great. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't back down when we're not supposed to. But we need to be careful that we're not exalting ourselves. Um, if you've been foolish, exalting yourself, right? We need to allow God to exalt us. We need to allow, let other people say what they want to say. You know, if people feel like this is a great, you know, man of God, hey, thank you. I, I appreciate that you feel that way. Um, if we want to encourage you or people want to, um, you know, man, you know, great, great words you gave or, wow, what a powerful, you know, prayer um, meeting that you've conducted here and just powerful things happening. People were healed. This is amazing. You know, I think it's, okay, thank you. I, I appreciate that. But God gets the glory. You know, I, I think, again, getting back to the humility, the meekness, having real humility, understanding back at the beginning of the chapter who we are in the grand scheme of things. And a lion might strut around, a rooster might strut around, but they're animals, okay? We are human beings, and we can put ourselves in the context of the cosmos, in the context of God, um, in the context of history. And I think we should be able to develop a little bit of humility in our walk and uh, in, in who we are and what we are. So, yeah, there are some things that are stately or, you know, in their, in their stride, and their tread, and uh, I think we need to be very careful that we don't exalt ourselves because that is the way of a fool. And we want to be people who are wise. So I hope this has helped you. That is Proverbs chapter 30. Don't forget to go ahead and smash that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're on the podcast, uh, go ahead and Follow the podcast on whatever service you happen to be listening to this on. And most important, share this with those that you think, family members, co-workers, people that you think will benefit from this podcast. Share it and allow it to get out there and help as many people as possible. Love you guys. God bless you. And we will catch you on the next podcast where we will wrap up the book of Proverbs. Until then... God bless you, love you, and we'll catch you on the next podcast.